0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the RegTech Report, your update on all things RegTech. My name is Carl Viertel, and with me is Stefan Celestial. Our mission is to bring you the latest news, speak with industry pioneers, and news about the latest tech. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the RegTech Report. Hey, Stefan.
1: Hey, Carl, how is it going?
0: Yeah, pretty good. We've got a uh, great show for you today. Um, We're going to talk about sort of one of the big buzzwords, uh, autonomous or automated uh, compliance. That's a bit of the theme of the show. Uh, Later on, we're going to talk to some friends uh, from the reg tech scene um, in the most natural of um, uh, geographic combinations, uh, Israel and Denmark. Um, So uh, stay tuned for that. And then, of course, we have the news and a uh, very special top three. Um, So let's get right into it. Autonomous compliance or automated compliance. I mean, uh, clearly uh, it's the dream. Um, But Stefan, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there are some things that can be automated and others that just can't.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think we had this topic also on a recurring basis and there's always this hope of I installed something and it just solves all my problems. It's not, it's not just in compliance and in and regulatory areas where people have this idea. I think that's across many different areas nowadays, but um, like like other topics where machine learning and and kind of automation is now uh approaching more and more. I think it's more suitable to some areas than others and typically the ones that are, let's say, more repetitive or where you have some quite clear uh, combination of input, processing, output. uh, That probably works better than something where uh, creativity or something that is is required in decision-making.
0: No, agreed. And I, I still think that there are always going to be controls that are around humans making decisions, management processes, deciding A versus B. And I think humans sort of in the management process will always still need to make uh, decisions that are then controlled by essentially written controls or less measurable controls. So I still think that that might be a um, a limit of automated or fully autonomous uh, compliance. Now, I do like to think about or I do like the thought process that Elon always propagates where he says, so Elon Musk of Tesla, SpaceX, PayPal, and all the rest of it. he always says he looks and the at boring some, company, and the course. boring company and the boring company so he always looks at things and says, okay, there's a problem, it's stupid, and um what technologies need to become ten times cheaper, a hundred times cheaper, a thousand times cheaper um, for this to be a reality so if we take um, move away from space travel and awesome electric cars <laughs> to compliance, uh, Stefan, what do you think needs to be ten times more efficient, a hundred times more efficient um, for autonomous compliance to actually happen?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much everything, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's also the um, the end goal where I can measure where something um, really truly starts to change. And there's a lot of different. Um, parts of it that would contribute to this. I actually read an article uh, about the Boring Company, that's why I I just mentioned it, um, which is for those listeners out there who don't know about this, this is about um, um, creating tunnels, underground tunnels, which sounds like also a boring topic, right? Um, But I think the discussion there has also been, um, how can I make that 10 times better than before? And then looking at things like, okay, maybe the tunnels have been too big. If I reduce the diameter, this will contribute maybe uh, One point five x or something like that improvement, and then fi- you find a lot of these like little things, and then overall you will create something that's ten times better and then creating uh a l- like really the tipping point in a b- uh, a lot of changes.
0: yeah I mean, for me, I think uh probably the biggest factor is data availability. Um, so I was talking to a, uh, an organisation the other day and they say, oh, well, could we integrate every data stream available into a line, um, so that we know exactly when which control is, is met and not? And, you know, of course, yes. Um, but, you know, just thinking of our recent, um, escapades in integrating one simple CMDB with a customer. Um, the the sort of the amount of effort that went into it on the customer' side to even be able to access that application think about that times two thousand mm-hmm. if you have two thousand i t controls i mean the if you can bring that down a hundred x the effort of getting that data then we 're talking.
1: Yeah, and also the quality of the data. Uh, That's also another classic if you start integrating that. It sounds very good on paper, but then once you go through the individual line items and records, you find, oh, this doesn't really work and have to clean it up.
0: And now obviously sort of one of the elements of automated compliance is essentially preventative controls, right? So uh, preventing something bad from even happening. So if we have full preventative controls, uh, is that the end of fraud?
1: Um, in some ways, maybe, but uh, on the other hand, it's it's always a trade-off with these things that if you make something very foolproof and, like, nothing can happen, that you then you're also, like, the preventer of any any kind of business or, like, normal working. Uh, and then, of course, uh, yeah, there's this joke also in security. If you, like, uh, turn off all network connections, put something in, a, like, a locked room, then it will be, like, super secure. But, of course, nobody can work with it anymore. That's the same <laughs> for compliance <laughs> controls, I
0: think. No, agreed. And… Uh, I think always something that everyone needs to be aware of is even the best control um, can potentially be circumvented if two people conspire right so if you have the best control preventing one person from I don't know changing production code or whatever then you simply get a second person to pay him off so uh, I think the human factor is it needs to always be uh, yeah. be just part of the equation yeah and and that leads me to i guess my final question on this topic so um uh if the dream is automated compliance um what's the reality today how far are we away from that inflection point mm-hmm. happening or w- what's the reality you see on the ground when you're working with customers
1: so i mean i think it's it's somewhere in the middle yeah with in some areas we we've had that for a while uh, where you have maybe some quite clear business processes where you build in controls and maybe a little excursion on how that usually works uh, or what uh, what internal controls actually mean. You would normally have built in something where um, there's some risk, some fraud risk. For example, on um, the classical segregation of duties where you have somebody, um, the same person, can um, create a new supplier and approve invoices. That's a fraud risk, right? So one of the controls could be, oh, this should be two different people. And then a normal audit would first check, okay, is that really like happening by two people? Next stage of creating almost a bit of an um, automation is you have some kind of system where you put that in and via access permissions, you separate this out that it's not even possible for the same person to do that. And uh, that would create hope, okay, now... I, nothing can even happen, no fraud can happen. But then you have to have the next level of control, some more IT and technical controls where you say, okay, how much can I rely on my access permissions? Are they being kept up to date? Is the system actually secure that they don't, can't just use use the password from the other person or something like that? Yeah. So in those areas, I, I would say it's working, um, but it's still a lot of work to get the assurance around it that it's really you can trust this automation also as well.
0: Now, I am joined today by a very special guest, um, some new friends in the RegTech scene. Uh, Shiran, welcome to the program.
2: Uh, thank you very much. Happy to join the RegTech uh, scene uh, as well. Uh, and, sure. great to, and great to join this uh, podcast.
0: So uh, you're from Shield. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, Shield and what makes you guys a RegTech
2: so shield um shield is uh, first of all what we do right so shield is a, a, we we like to uh, refer to ourselves as a cross regulation compliance platform where we basically provide in at the moment um the ability for compliance team to view their trade and trade sequence from 360 degrees uh, point of view. So it's pretty holistic view of their trade, electronic communication, and other uh, relevant uh, relevant data. And we're doing this for uh, several uh, uh, certain regulations such as uh, uh, MIFID 2 requirements, uh, uh, market abuse surveillance or proactive monitoring requirements, uh, as well as record Keeping and there are of course uh, the, um, the 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 US regulations such as Dodd Frank Finra and of course there are other regulations that are referring to that and the ability to uh, to look on the data and the surveillance requirements from a true uh, we don't like the word holistic but from a true integrated perspective uh, across uh, not only a certain channel or not only a certain silo uh, but across both what is used to be called unstructured, so uh, any kind of an email, text, chat, voice, a document, anything which is unstructured, to structured data, so uh, market data, uh, order data, uh, execution data, any trade data, the ability to fuse everything together and to have a view, a, a holistic view or integrated view of everything for certain requirements as stated in the regulations, this is uh, this is basically what we are doing, and this is why we are also a Yeah.
0: No, it sounds like you guys are uh, tackling some really, really challenging uh, topics. Now, one thing that I found really remarkable about you guys is um, you have a very unique global footprint. So we're reaching you in Denmark, but the company or the rest of the company is based in Israel. So this gives you a really unique view. Uh, tell us a little about a little bit about the reg tech scene in Israel and in Denmark.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, th- this is, this is pretty unique in this sense. Well, you know, Israel is, uh, is, uh, in the past, uh, referred to as a startup nation. And, uh, but uh, if I, if I'm setting aside all the, uh, all the, uh, all the commercial, all the marketing, uh, um, Promotions Israel is really unique in the in the startup scene and in the ability to uh, really establish something and get access to uh both uh, very valuable resources as well as uh, v c s and the, the entire market is uh is supporting this uh this uh mm-hmm. a venture i would say. So for us, and as well, I'm Israeli, right? For us, it's very natural to, to, uh, to, uh, hook up and to, uh, um, join forces with some colleagues or old colleagues or friends and, uh, to start something in this, uh, in this, uh, very supportive environment.
0: But I, the rec- at the same time, I'd say probably the regulator isn't one of the more proactive or
2: intense regulators around the world. Would I be wrong in that assumption? You are absolutely right, and from the regulation perspective, so that's technology and I would say startup business uh, uh, related. Mm. From regulation perspective, Israel, I would say, is far <laughs> is a little bit behind. <laughs> I, would, I would not be too uh, uh, too harsh. Israel is uh, is uh, is very good for a technology perspective and startup, but in terms of uh, regulations, uh, we are we are a bit behind, I would say, uh, compared to uh, to the uh, amazing wave of regulations in Europe and the uh, and the, the, the rest of the world, I would say, the the, Amer- the North American and the rest of the world. And in this in mind, we came with a set of uh, knowledge and. Uh, 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 understanding of uh, of the European market, and I would say that uh, this is part of the reason why I, I am located in Denmark, and why why our initial customers are coming from uh, from uh, this region and from uh, uh, the European uh, the European market, mainly based on uh, our. Um, Go-to-market approach and understanding that uh, it's it's the matter of how to combine or how to link uh, in one hand the technology and the disruptive technology that we believe that we can bring from uh, uh, from Israel with uh, with all the benefits of, ha- of, of of building a startup in Israel, but also to link it to the main markets and the uh, and the knowledge uh, from uh, from the European uh, regulation regimes.
0: The best of both worlds. I like it.
2: Well, we hope.
0: hope. (laughs) (laughs) So now, um, based on what you guys are doing, obviously, there's an enormous focus on data availability, data quality, uh, and essentially the management of data. What are you seeing when you talk to new clients, onboard new clients? How are they addressing um, digitalization, accessing that data? And what are common challenges you're seeing?
2: Well, that's a big question, first of all. Um, but I will, I will um, try to split it into two parts. Uh, first of all, uh, there is a huge, huge, uh, um, growth in the usage of electronic communication as well as the focus of the regulators or any, any, uh, uh any regulated uh, body, uh, for the access into this electronic communication. So a lot of focus into this domain. So we call it the rise of the ecoms as well. Uh, because okay. if you're looking, if you're looking into the trade data, that's something that was available or uh, um, monitored for the past few years. Right now, uh, as part of MIFIN, there is uh, much more uh, uh, emphasizing uh, uh, or demands for uh, reporting capabilities, but uh, monitoring of the trade transaction happened. Now, the new requirements are also related to electronic communication. And when you open this pen, of electronic communication, it's a, a, you can say that in some cases it's a can of worms because everyone is communicating differently. Each format is differently. How do you assess the quality of, of – uh, how do you assess the data quality of something that it's very hard to monitor? Not to mention, how do you actually normalize this data? How do you segregate it? How do you try to uh, structure something which is by definition unstructured? And this is one of the challenges when you're coming, when when it's, uh, when it comes to, um, Uh, data management for compliance reason because data management exists right Uh, we we haven't invented data management it's there for many years and many reasons uh, uh, and many use cases yeah but the volume is something that's never seen before right correct the volume the type of data Right, so this unstructured, the, the 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 amount of data and the, the the size of the data, and the the differences between the different data types are are very are very uh, are very wide, right? The very the gaps are very big, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where we saw. We, mean SHIELD, we saw that there is a big, big gap in the solutions or the availability of solutions in the market because you could see several several vendors that are trying to operate, but they are coming from either backup perspective or from archive perspective. Mm-hmm. But to take this and to and to apply uh, all these unique regulations, uh, uh, all these unique uh, requirements as specified by the regulators, and link it into a, a, a financial financial terms and financial compliance related, that was a, that, that's the real challenge. It's not only to capture the data, is how do you use the data and how do you segment it in a way that you, first of all, you can assess the quality of the data. And based on that, you can enhance or enrich the data and start correlating it. Appropriate, in, in, in an in appropriate way. So you will be able to, for example, one of the key requirements or the main requirements of, this, uh, of the new regulations is to do something that is called trade reconstruction. Yeah. Now, how can someone do trade reconstruction for, uh, for things related to electronic communication when you're monitoring each channel separately? It's, it's, it's almost impossible.
0: There is a uh, large focus on machine learning techniques, such as natural language processing in analyzing all that unstructured data. Correct.
2: That's correct. But it's not only to, um, and and I have to say that uh, there is a lot of buzz, of course, in the market and and we, and and don't get me wrong, we are using it as well, right? Because this is, you know, you, you have to be there, but, um, you need to be able to use ai and machine learning or a uh, certain usage of uh, nlp in the right places and in the right use cases and um, <laughs> and and to to kind of say yeah we have uh, a an ai data management platform or an ai surveillance platform it's not really serious but what well, we it have might to work say
0: well with some investors but as soon as it hits it... <laughs> the test of reality i'd say uh, the uh, results are varied
2: Exactly, and to be able to uh, to be able to use this uh, properly, we need to uh, first of all prepare the data in a proper way, so there is a huge emphasis for the data journey and the data quality right This is what we discussed before so you have, you need to have qualified data and you need to have the full journey of the data, but you also need to take a, a, a kind of a more a wide approach to the data and what you're analyzing and when you, what is it that you're pushing into this? machine learning uh, machine learning uh, algorithms are you pushing one uh, uh, one data type so for example only voice or only chat or only email or are you taking a wider approach so i'm pushing everything that i ha- everything that we have and this is basically the approach that we took and now it's it, 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 there is a burden on us because of that because we need to basically not only monitor but also categorize a lot of different data types and maintain them in uh, and maintain them for for a certain quality of, uh, and, and to measure their, their quality for a certain amount of uh, uh, processes. But it also allows us to take a much wider approach to and have um, wider data sets. And then you can take uh, you can take some uh, some specific use cases for machine learning. And I can tell you that we had a huge discussion internally. What is it that we are doing in this uh, in this uh, in this sense? Okay. And uh, one of the use cases that we are trying to uh, that we are doing or that we are we have implemented uh, machine learning is for uh, two categorize electronic communication together with orders and execution based on, um, based on a, a financial context. So how can you take any sorts of uh, electronic communication, which is unstructured by definition, and try to combine it or link it or correlate it in a way that it will be tacked as with with a certain symbol or with a symbol com- with a certain company mm-hmm. or something with a financial context, so we call this layer our financial context recognition. This is an a machine learning and NLP capability, or uh, uh, machine learning enhanced by uh, uh, NLP capabilities.
0: Shiran, this is incredibly exciting stuff. And I am absolutely certain that uh, Shields product is just incredibly relevant for uh, many things to come. And I look forward to catching back up with you as soon as possible to learn more about some of the exciting stuff you're doing. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. It's been amazing talking to you. And uh, I look forward to uh, your return uh, for the next podcast.
2: Thank you very much, Carl. It was a pleasure having this uh, conversation with you, and I'm looking forward.
0: All right, the news. Um, I must say I'm a little bit light on news this week. Um, one thing that I did see that uh, I thought was really cool Um uh, Ebo, uh, they're a company. Ebo.ai. They uh, build chatbots. They have like infrastructure for building chatbots on different topics. And apparently, one of them that they built um, is around answering questions on GDPR. So a GDPR-based chatbot. Mm-hmm. Um I, I've seen some of those approaches around. Um I think it's a really cool way of uh interacting with compliance information. Yeah.
1: And hopefully it doesn't the chatbot doesn't buy into the hype and gives actually sensible answers. Maybe I should try <laughs> it out sometime.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I've not seen the um if it's uh, very much based just on the legal text or if there's some interpretation behind it. Uh yeah. So um Ebo AI, if you're listening, uh we'd be keen to see more. Um also uh not directly related, uh, but indirectly with certainly a large impact, uh, we had uh, EU-wide elections. Um, Yeah, did
1: you go vote? Ah, I forgot, Carl. you're not an EU citizen. Correct, I can't.
0: So um, my view is uh, it could have been worse.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, the end result is, I guess, kind of expected from um, what has been going on before. It's not super surprising. What I do find... Interesting as the participation has been much higher than previously, and I think yep. people starting to realize much more uh, what kind of impact actually uh, EU Parliament has on daily lives. And I would say even in the in the areas where we operate, if you take something like um, financial regulation or technical standards and so on, this is done very much on an EU level nowadays. Yeah? And uh, normally you can't really influence this that much on a national level. Um, it's just. It takes a long time, so whatever is being decided uh, one year, probably to see the effects, or they sometimes take three, four, or five years.
0: Now, I mean, I think one of the uh, takeaways, at least here from the German perspective, is that a lot of the sort of traditional large parties that don't really have a clear digital agenda, that uh, don't really understand uh, digital or sort of the digital age. Um, have been losing drastically, and basically in all meaningful large cities, um, the Green Party, who are excellent at the digital agenda, um, have a uh, absolute majority—or not absolute majority, but a large majority—which is uh, very impressive. Uh, given that they, I think they added uh, twelve uh, percentage points to their uh, to their result uh, in, uh, from the German Party did. So. Yep.
1: I mean for definitely in Germany I mean not um, not across the whole EU but so it's an it's an interesting development and I'm I'm definitely observing it with a uh, with a keen eye yeah
0: mm. and and I mean I'm sure that over the next uh, legislative period that will have a strong effect on uh, sort of the effectiveness of regulation coming out of uh, the EU just the uh, the composition will be drastically different yeah. of uh, the people deciding and uh, look, last but not least, um, uh, two weeks ago, I was uh, in Paris at VivaTech, this uh, ridiculously large conference. So I think it's probably the only place in the world where you can just stand uh, stand around minding your own business. And uh, within uh, three minutes, Justin Trudeau, um, uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, Jack Ma, and of all people, Usain Bolt walked by. I think that. That probably doesn't happen in too many places around <laughs> uh, the world.
1: It's a strange combination, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, and I will say that that's probably also indicative of sort of the uh, – the, the, just the, the conference itself, right? So you've got all of these incredibly expensive booths by large companies and they have their digital people there that basically just say, oh, you know, if uh, uh, you check our website – um where you got to wonder i mean is is there actually any business done at these conferences it's just so industrialized and everyone has their digital team and they're they i don't know it it just seems it, it seems industrialized and kind of a waste of time at this point
1: yeah and it's um all our industry is not really lacking for networking right and we have um there 's a lot of ways also on a digital and and social networking way to connect internationally nowadays so um I also would question the value especially because there's a, such a huge number of these kind of conferences events um exhibitions fairs and so on um there might be other industries uh where there's maybe not enough opportunity to get together on a regular basis and then it's valuable when everybody's in the same place and you can trust that everybody will be there, Uh, this is really not the case for for the stuff we do.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the nice things was I was invited by uh, Asher's, by the uh, law firm, and I was on a panel. Um, I think that what they were doing probably um, didn't get the attention that it actually deserved and the... uh, just due to the fact that it was competing with uh, friggin' flying cars.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think that's really the, the best use of it if there's a speaking opportunity to also give out some thoughts. Oh, you do a, like a ridiculous stunt like me uh, last week where I fell off the stage. Uh, and, uh, I put, heard. And uh, probably everybody there remembers uh, that moment now for years to come.
0: No bones, only pride was broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it does lead me to the top three because um, I'd flown in really late the day before and spent the entire day at Viva Tech, and then I wanted to get the last flight out of Paris and Munich and, of course, um, uh, we were all standing in line for boarding. And then I said, oh, the uh, aircraft is broken and I need to get an, uh, another flight uh. the next day. And boarding was at 5.45, so it was like a three hours of sleep or whatever. Um, so I wanted to do with you a, again, sort of double top three. First. A double whammy. Correct. Uh, so first, the uh, top three things that uh, are better in business travel and the top three things that are worse. And yep. now for the jingle.
2: It's
1: the
0: top three. So, Stefan, I'd like to start on a positive note and then obviously end in a big rant. Um, So uh, let's start on the positive note. Uh, What are the things that got better in business travel? And I'd like to start with something seriously cool. Uh, I saw at Munich Airport, they have Terminal 2. They have a new security gate. Uh, a security check um, where you just put your bag in, you don't take out your laptop, you don't take out your iPad, you don't take off your shoes, you don't take out your liquids. you They actually have a useful x-ray machine with people that apparently can <laughs> read it. You walk through a 3D scanner and you walk out the other side like uh, a human being. They had
1: something like that at Gatwick two years ago, but then I think that it was just a pilot and then they removed it and it again. So yeah, that is, so it was
0: good. a fraction of common sense back in the travel experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, even considering that this whole liquid stuff is bullshit anyway. But
0: uh, hey, dude, we're staying with the positive ones first. <laughs> <Yeah. So laughs> what's your number three?
1: So my number three is, uh, on average, and I'm talking personally. Yeah, compared to my to the past life, uh, back in the day, uh, no more week long trips. Uh, Every week. Yeah. That's the consulting lifestyle. Uh, that being said, I was just in Budapest for an entire week. So that's a <laughs> bit out of the norm. Yeah. Um, but normally nowadays it's a bit, it's very much more focused and we actually, what we manage to do, um, uh, work much more remotely. Also, I mean, it's also good for CO2 footprint. They're not always, it's not always necessary to be there in person. Uh, it's usually better for certain meetings, but, uh, you can nowadays with good, Conferencing solutions, you can do much, so much more remotely than before.
0: All right. So my number two is um, very against the uh, German nature of complaining about the German rail service. Um, so here in Germany, it's absolutely a sport of complaining about the Deutsche Bahn. Yeah. But I actually have to say the Deutsche Bahn is awesome. It is so much more convenient than flying. I love being on the train from Munich to Berlin. For those that don't know it, it's 600 and odd kilometers. Yeah. And you can now do it in under four hours. And so that you can basically do day trips to Berlin. So you get on the train, middle of the city, you get out in the middle of the city, you have some meetings, ride back. Um, Wi-Fi even works most of the time, albeit not fast. Um, they have beer, they have food that is actually getting better. The people um, have been absolutely trained in being more friendly and helpful. And it's just overall a more pleasant experience and uh, also um, powered by entirely renewable energy sources. So um, I think um, the German high-speed rail network, certainly something that makes my travel life better.
1: Yeah. And before I start with my number two, I mean, I fully agree. Yeah. T- uh, trains in general. And I tried to avoid flying you now as much as possible. And even this trip to Budapest, I took the train there. Yeah. Actually with a night train, which was interesting. Like Orient Express. <laughs> no murders. And- Sorry, what? No murders. Uh not that I noticed. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the um the conductor said, hey, I'll lock your door, please." Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So and on the way back also. I mean, it's a seven-hour trip, which is a bit long, but still, I mean, it's it's totally doable. Also, if you book uh, in advance, you get quite nice first and business class upgrades, and uh, for like a cheaper price than a normal second class ticket, and that is like super relaxing, super productive trip um, because you um, it's quiet, you can work. And actually leads me also to uh to my number two in, in on average both while traveling also when you are somewhere in 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 the, in the other place more better internet yeah <laughs> this used to be so much pain you're like totally cut off uh, um, in the transportation also if you travel to other countries you have this ridiculous roaming charges nowadays especially yeah another win for the eu EU roaming um, uh i don't even with my unlimited data uh, i don't even care anymore where i am with these uh things i just turn it on and yeah it but works. what
0: have the romans ever done for us
1: yeah besides our, the aqueducts
0: and the, uh, the the baths and everything for our younger listeners that was a life of brian reference look it up in an encyclopedia or something yeah. <laughs> um well my number one thing that um makes my life better in traveling is car sharing. I absolutely love it. So there are some really cool um, providers here in Germany. Um, You can hop in a car anywhere, drive out to the airport, drop it at the airport, jump on a plane, um, or simply use it to get around town when you're in, I don't know, you do a business trip to Cologne and you've got three meetings around Cologne. You simply use a uh, car sharing there. You can even use the same uh, network in Cologne as you can in London and in Paris. It's uh, it's absolutely amazing and uh, f- love car sharing. Also extended to uh, like electric scooters and all the rest of it. I'm fully bought into that.
1: Oh yeah, but now there's uh, all this uh, fear and uncertainty and doubt about it, the electric scooters. Well, what I did s-
0: even like in the most cleaned up city in the world, Zurich, where I was yesterday. I saw a few of them in the river. So, <laughs> yeah. well even yeah. the swiss can uh, I, th- I think yeah I, I
1: tried i tried them in in vienna and uh, it's fun but it's also some at some per- certain, certain points i thought okay i will die because uh, i think i they can be quite dangerous
0: probably yeah but apparently stages are a danger for you too so, yeah true uh, true all right now we get into the fun ranting section um the top 3 things that got worse over the last couple of years and uh my first thing that i think has gotten worse is um uh, industrialization of big airlines and stupid processes. So, um, Stefan, I'm sorry, I think I forgot your number one of things. Oh, better. I thought I
1: could cheat around that now. Oh, okay, no, anyway, no. no, no, I have one. Uh, so again, a personal one. Uh, um, maybe, uh, overall more comfortable clothes because also compared to consulting life where you run around <laughs> in a full Good penguin one. and uniform, uh, that's, um, yeah, it's not really so much part of the life anymore, and also the the image we want to convey. So it's not like we run around in um, just uh, uh, total leisure clothes, but uh, it's a kind of in between, and maybe trying to make a point here and there with a certain.
0: Nice, item. So, no more ties. Yeah, but just more overall more comfortable. Right? See, I was so excited to get to the rant. All right, my yeah. rant is airline processes. Right, so every time the captain comes on and says, "Oh, we're just waiting for some uh, paperwork to come in," and some guy in a high vis vest runs into the cockpit with a printout of those endless paper things of a dot matrix printer from the 80s, I always wonder how much time and jet fuel is wasted on not buying a better printer or just having a electronic way of communicating the passenger manifold.
1: Yeah, probably the printer has to be certified in some way by the
0: authorities, right? I don't know, but it just seems, it seems wrong. Yeah,
1: I mean, I wouldn't trust, uh, currently with some of the things going on, I wouldn't trust the oversight authorities anymore that much, but uh, let's see. All right, you're number three. Um, Yeah, uh, as a uh, startup founder and director and trying to be lean and efficient, uh, of course, um, watching expenses expenses much closer. uh, In some ways, I would consider that worse than before because it was other people's money, so... uh, I didn't care what I spent on certain things. Um, that uh, changed, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> of course, also that has certain aspects also in, around the travel, uh, for example, the class. I
0: the have book. budget all the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number two um, of things that have gotten worse is driving. Um, I used to love driving, being in cars and whatnot. And then as soon as you drive more for a business purpose to get from A to B, it just becomes – a chore and annoying and a waste of time yeah true
1: um, my number two is uh also related to how much you spend and how much actually you're around is uh less ability and uh, op- opportunity to get those nicely uh, colored uh, platinum black cards. Uh, but I also have to say I don't really care about that much so much anymore. I mean, I have uh, the status on the Deutsche Bahn card. Yeah, okay, that's sometimes useful. But uh, I don't, uh, it's not part of my uh, identity anymore to have these kind of things.
0: <laughs> so my final um, thing that I think has gotten worse is there is an even more or there's an even stronger loss of common sense. Um, as soon as the airport door is open and you walk into an airport, you have to relieve yourself entirely of common sense. So uh, just a few examples, the whole thing of liquids in the bags. So obviously there is a solution. I've seen it with my own eyes. But I had a discussion with a guy that uh, a hair wax is liquid because it's theoretically spreadable. Where I just wanted to say if I make you hot enough, you're spreadable too. So you're... That's, I could I could rant on, um, so the loss of common sense in uh, business travel and uh, the excuse of "I'm sorry for security reasons" just does not work for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: my number three is um, an aspect of many other eye-opening experience of starting a company and having to run various functions and departments that be, before i was only a consumer of so i would i called this the uh, travel and expense management from the other side uh. <laughs> so kind of uh, now understanding what uh, the, some of the reasons why um, that was done before and also but also having i guess uh, an opportunity to make uh, do that better uh, and not Speaking
0: having of which i think i owe you a whole bunch of invoices from some previous trips yeah yeah, yeah. that's
1: <laughs> a whole nother story
0: <laughs> well, I, I think we remained reasonably calm given my level of anxiety over business travel. This was fun. Um, <laughs> really great top three. Um, I hope you really enjoyed the show. Um, we've got some really cool topics teed up and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you guys uh, on our next show. Take care.
1: Lovely. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Follow our dedicated podcast handle at Rep. Make sure to rate this podcast and send your thoughts and comments to Report at Align.com. Once again, that's TheRegTechReport at A-L-Y-N-E dot com. You can also follow Align on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, or catch up on our podcasts on
2: Align.com slash TheRegTechReport.